Well, good evening. How's everybody doing tonight? All right. Well, we're getting ready to get started for tonight. Would you please stand and we'll go to the Lord in prayer and get ready for some worship. Father, we thank you that it says to go into the house of the Lord with shouts of praise and singing. And Father, we're in here tonight to give you honor, to give you praise, to lift up your name. That's what church is about. It's about you, Jesus. We're here to lift you up and glorify your name. And we do this because we love you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. stirs in my soul it draws me near and calls me close deeper into this love that won't run out and won't dry up oh let it Overwhelm 
Here and I know you will fit. 
night. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here. Lord, I'm reminded of Elijah when he was up on the mountain. 
He expected you to move in a certain way like you did when you consumed the altar that he created for you. But you didn't come in the fire. You didn't come in the wind or the earthquake. You came in a still small whisper. Lord, I thank you that you can move like you did when you consumed the altar. But you can also move with a still small whisper. I pray that our hearts and our ears are listening to what your Spirit's saying to us tonight. We thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said, Amen. You may be seated. You know, sometimes you get those nights where it's just a sweet move of God's presence. Well, does that, everybody have a good week so far? Everybody trying to stay cool? Looking forward to the cooler temperatures coming up for a few days anyways. Yeah, we need to pray that it stays that way for a while. <laughs> My daughter said snow. <laughs> All right, if you have your Bibles, would you please open up with me uh, to the uh, Exodus 19. Is it working? Oh, I didn't turn it on. I guess it would work if I turned it on. Exodus chapter 19, we're going to look at, we're, in a, we're looking at the typology in the Old Testament of uh, the pre-tribulation rapture. We've got a few more that we're going to go through, and, and then uh, we'll pray about what God wants us to do on Wednesday nights. But uh, um, I, I believe this, this chapter is a really good chapter. We're going to read the whole chapter. We're going to go through it tonight. Um, there's 25 verses. So Exodus chapter 19, verses 1 through 25. <clears throat> It says, in the third month after the Israelites left Egypt, on the very day they came to the desert of Sinai. After they set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the house of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey and fully obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words of you. These, these are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So Moses went back and summoned the elders and of the people and set before them all the words the Lord had commanded him to speak. The people all responded together, We will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, I'm going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in you. <clears throat> then Moses told the Lord what the people had said. And the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day. Because on that day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Put limits for the people around the mountain and tell them, Be careful that you do not go up the mountain or to touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. He shall, sure, he shall surely be stoned or shot with arrows. Not a hand is to be laid on him. Whether a man or animal, he shall not be permitted to live. Only when the ram's horn sounds a long blast may they go up to the mountain. 
after Moses had gone down the mountain to the people, he consecrated them, and they washed their clothes. Then he said to the people, prepare yourselves for the third day. Abstain from sexual relations. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and, air, and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. <clears throat> then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with snow, smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace. The whole mountain trembled violently, and the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Then Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. The Lord descended the, to the top of, the mountain, of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Moses went up, and the Lord said to him, Go down and warn the people so they do not force their way through to see the Lord, and many of them perish. Even the priests who approach the Lord must consecrate themselves, or the Lord will break out against them. Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up Mount Sinai because, yourself, because you yourself warned us, put limits around the mountain and set it apart as holy. The Lord replied, Go down and bring Aaron up with you. But the priests and the people must not force their way through to come up to the Lord, or he will break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them, Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as we uh, study another typology of the rapture in the Old Testament, the pre-tribulation rapture, I pray, Father, you will open up our, uh, the understanding of our minds and our hearts of what your scripture is saying. Uh, Lord, give us new insight, new understanding. And Lord, as we know, the rapture is what we call the blessed hope. Uh, there's hope in that. It's not a wishful hope, but a joyful expectation that what you say you are going to do kind of hope. So, Father, as your vessel speak through, through me tonight and open up all of our ears to hear what the Spirit says in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. <clears throat> I'm going to take a drink of water. Anybody have allergy issues right now? I've been sneezing like crazy. Well, <clears throat> real quick, before I get into this, just a tidbit. You can write this in your notes. You can go look it up on YouTube. Um, there are several different videos now out there, but the one I like going to is called Mountain of Fire. It's by Bob Cornuke, so Mountain of Fire, you can YouTube it, and the real Mount Sinai is not in the Sinai Peninsula, and if you go in your Bible, they'll even have a question mark there. I believe it's in Saudi Arabia, and it's in a mountain called Jabal Az, and you'll look at it, and it's black all over the top of the mountain, and when they've, when they've broken open the, the rock, it's granite, it's not volcanic. They actually found the chutes where they led the cattle, and they have found ash in those chutes. They found the 12 pillars that Moses set up. They found huge piles of rock around the mountain, which we just read, where God said he, he put a barrier there so they could not come up to him. They found the big stone on it, and it's got carvings of calves on it. And on top of that is where they would have set the, the golden calf. They have just found the molds recently where they you can see where the seraphim that are on the top of the covenant where they molded the gold in and they they made it out of the rock and they have several fire pits there that they have found they have found a bush that's four thousand years old anybody know of a burning bush that doesn't get consumed they have found quail they've actually found egyptian artifacts there and and they have found the cave that's on the other side of that mountain over there where god put elijah and moses so it's in Saudi, and Saudi Arabia has now put a fence around that, so you're not allowed to go there. But if you want to go watch, it's called Mountain of Fire, and the guy's name is Bob Cornuke. It's a little bit older version, probably from the early 2000s, 
but go watch tonight. And, and, and there's also the rock. Remember where Moses struck the rock and the water gushed out? There's a three-story rock out in the middle of nowhere out there, and it's split, and it's pressure flaked from hydraulic water coming up, and you could see where the water had rushed down and filled up a huge lake, because you would need a lake to, to uh, 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 feel the thirst of two, two million people. <clears throat> and that's there. You can find that in Saudi Arabia. And so go look that up. That's just a little thing. And we're looking at uh, a picture of here of this Mount Sinai. And it, it'll, it'll really uh, open up your eyes. And, and, and not only open up your eyes, but if anybody questions the validity of the Bible, I mean, that video is so good. There, there's a whole bunch of others, vid, uh, other videos like that um, that you can, you can find on YouTube. But it's a real place. And I believe that that's where the real Mount Sinai is. In fact, Paul said he went to Arabia when he went to spend time with the Lord for three years. Well, where's, where's, Mount, where's the Jabalaz? It's in Saudi Arabia, which used to be called Arabia. So anyways, let's go into the uh, study tonight. It's called Rising to the Tr Sound of the Trumpet. I've just kind of titled that. We're going to do more of a sermon tonight, uh, but we're going to look at this, and we're going to go through this together. Uh, first, God calls Israel a holy nation. Look in verse 6 with me. <clears throat> You know, they have, they've left and they've come to the desert, to Mount Sinai. They're at the bottom of it. And God says this about Israel. Um, actually, let's, let's look in verse 5 if you have your Bibles. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So, first of all, the earth is whose? God's. Everything belongs. Even the clothes that you and I wear belong to God. They're on loan to us. The money that you have, the house that you have, the car that you have, the things that you think, I did this for me. No, God gave you the abilities to do it. Everything belongs to God. So, the earth is God's. The Israelites were called a kingdom of priests. He says, he says, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a, what, holy nation. Did you know we're called kingdom and priests as well? I'm trying to get the typology, understand the, the meaning of this. This is Old Testament. God's calling them kingdom and priests. You and I are called kingdom and priests. Revelation 1.6. And has made us to be a kingdom and priest, Jesus is speaking, just, I, I believe this is Jesus. Let me, let's go, actually, let's go there because I don't want to get this wrong. So it's not good to take a, a, something and, and get it wrong out of Scripture. But Revelation 1 6. John is, John, uh, is speaking. It's a greeting in doxology. He's writing to the seven churches. And then he says this to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and then here it is, and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Remember there's symbolism in the Old Testament that also points to the future. God is calling Israel holy nation. He's calling them kingdoms and priests. And guess what he's calling you and I? Kingdom and priests. Yeah, you, you know... It's just like the Ten Commandments was God's marriage contract between God and Israel. 
You and I have a marriage contract when we what? Get married. A lot of the laws that we have today in the United States are based off of biblical values. I, I only mention that because there's certain things that translate into the future. It was for then, but it's also for the future. Now, I want to make this clear. We do not replace Israel. You are a born-again Christian. It's what they call... Uh, um, uh, oh, my brain just went blank. Um, give me a minute. Yeah, anybody ever have one of those moments? I've been having them a lot lately. Reformed theology. It's called Reformed theology. Basically what Reformed theology is that the church has replaced Israel. You have not. Israel is still God's people. You bless them, you'll be blessed. If you curse them, you'll be cursed. I've mentioned this before, but every president that's ever tried to do a peace treaty with Israel and Palestine, something bad has happened to them. George H.W. Bush, when he did it, the perfect storm came and wiped out his house that very night. George W. Bush, Katrina, Clinton was uh, Hurricane Andrew. You can go down the thing. Uh, Obama was that tornado that went through more. And also through Tus uh, uh, down through Alabama, and then I think that we had the hurricane that came down through Texas. So you can go through every single one of them, and something major has happened in the United States when you miss with Israel. They are still God's people. And he says they're the apple of his eye. So when you pray, pray for the peace of Jerusalem and pray that you bless them. Because guess what? If you bless them, you'll be blessed. So Israel is still God's chosen people. Now... God declares his covenant to his people. Let's go back over here to Exodus. Verses 7 and 8. So he says, So Moses went back and summoned the elders of the people and set before them all the words the Lord had commanded him to speak. The people all responded together, We will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. This is a covenant. God declares his covenant to the people. Now they have a choice to make, right? You, God declares his covenant to you and I. We have a choice to what? Make. Again, remember, this is symbolism. I'm, I, I know some of you guys understand this. In fact, do you know what a covenant in those times meant? I learned this from my friend Timothy uh, Grove uh, uh, about this. But in, a, in, the old, in the old time, a covenant, and Bedouins still use this today, they would literally take an animal and cut it in half. And they would let the blood spill, and they would walk between it, passing each other. And, and, and basically, and, they, and I can't remember what it was that they said, so don't quote me on it, but I'll, find, I'll ask Timothy, my good friend. But they would say something like, let, let this happen to me if I break this covenant. And then they would join hands and join arms. So basically, when God makes a covenant, remember he made the covenant with Abraham in the Old Testament? Remember God put him into a deep sleep? And Abraham had to cut the calf in half, and I think he had a pigeon, the birds, I can't remember. <laughs> uh, how many of you guys remember some of this? So you can't remember all the details, but you try. And I'm the pastor. <laughs> so, but God put him into a deep sleep, and who walked through the animals? Abraham didn't, because he was what? In a deep sleep. God did. And God said, if I ever break this covenant with you, let what happened here happen to me. So God's a promise-keeping God. I, I, I don't know who needs to hear that tonight. So why am I saying this? Because God declares his covenant to his people. The Israelites responded with what? Obedience. They responded with the words of obedience. Now we know from reading scripture they weren't always what? Obedient. 
Now, Moses is a type of Christ. Look with me in verse 9. I didn't put it up here. I have it in my notes, though. Go with me to verse 9 here. The Lord said to Moses, I'm going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in you. Then Moses told the Lord what the people had said. So Moses is given the answer back to God, but God says, guess what? I'm, I'm going to come down in a cloud and I'm going to have the people put their trust in you. Moses is what we call a type of Christ in the Old Testament, just like Joseph was. Moses is too. He's a type of Christ. Jesus is our Christ. We have put our hope in him. We get, we get covenant relationship, right? Everybody born again tonight, saved, giving your life to Jesus. When you surrender your life to Jesus, you are in covenant relationship with God. And God seals that covenant by putting the Holy Spirit into you. And then when he does that, he says, by the way, you're going to follow my son who you put your faith in. Moses is a type of Christ. Remember, this is all symbolism, typology. They're putting their, their, their trust in following Moses because Moses is their spokesperson to God. Now comes the consecration. Look at me in verses 10 and 11. And the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day, because on that day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. So the people consecrated themselves to God and washed their clothes. Again, here we go, symbolism, right? Everything that God does, remember Zechariah, I preached on it a, a few weeks ago. We're in Zechariah, he says, you're, the, you're, you're symbolic of things to come, that, that, you know, Joshua the high priest... Do you guys remember that on Sunday morning? You might not have. But in the book of Zechariah, Zechariah chapter 3, Joshua is before the Lord and Satan's there to accuse him. And the Lord says, I rebuke you, Satan, for is, this, is not this man a, a, a smoldering or a, a, a stick snatched from the fire? And then he put a clean turban on his head and put, took off his dirty clothes and put clean robes on him. And then he said, and this is symbolic of things to come, meaning for you and I, salvation. God puts a clean a turban on our head, and he puts a clean robe on us, and he makes us new in Christ. That's the same thing here. They are consecrating themselves to God, and their, and their clothes are what? Washed. We have put our trust in Christ, and guess what happens? Go with me. Hold your spot here, and go with me to Acts 15. I didn't put this up on the overhead, so you'll have to turn in your Bibles. Acts chapter 15, verses 20. Maybe I did. Did I put that scripture up there? Acts 15, look at verses 21 through 23. For Moses had been preached in every city from the earliest times and is read in the synagogues on every Sabbath. Then the apostles and elders with the whole church decided to choose some of their own men. Maybe I got this wrong. I don't know what I'm doing here, so please apologize. <clears throat> they chose Judas called Bersabbas Bar and Silas, two men who were leaders among the brothers with them, and they sent them following the apostles and elders, your brothers, to the Gentiles and believers in Antioch and Caesarea. Uh, I got this wrong. I apologize for that. I must have got my scriptures mixed up. Uh, Let's go on to another scripture here. 
Go with me to Galatians chapter 3. I apologize for that. Galatians chapter 3. Look at me in verses 26 through 27. I'm glad that you guys are so gracious to me tonight. <laughs> no, sometimes I get a little ahead of myself and I put things in there. So, so Galatians chapter 3, look what it says here. So in Christ Jesus, you're all children of God through what? Faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ and have clothed yourself with what? With Jesus. So they were consecrated. They washed their clothes. You and I, when we put Christ on, he washes what? Our clothes. We put new clothes on. In fact, the scripture says the old has gone, the new has what? Come. So again, it's symbolic. You and I have been clothed in Christ. We have new clothes. I mean, God, Jesus doesn't put dirty clothes on you. Right? He puts clean clothes on you. So he has put clean clothes on us. He consecrated them. He washed them. That brings us to what? The third day. Let's go back. Exodus 19. Look with me in verse 11 again. So he tells them to get consecrated and, and have them wash their clothes. And then he says, and be what? Everybody say, be ready. I love how they put that in, in the NIV. Be ready. Be ready on what? The third day. Now, when did Jesus rise from the dead? On the third day. God has no time, so how long has it been since Jesus' Jesus's resurrection? Our time is what? Almost, almost close, getting close on the Jewish calendar to 3,000 years. My dad of the mouth of babes. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends, 2 Peter 3, verses 8 through 9. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like what? A day. So technically, to God, it has only been three days. Almost three days. What happens on the third day? Now, I'm not setting dates. I don't know when he's coming back. We don't know. But we're getting close to that time. And, if, and, and the things that we're seeing in our lifetime right now, the technology that we have, the things I've mentioned over the weeks, I mean, just look at the, what's going on in our society, should be telling people Jesus is coming back pretty close, pretty soon. He's going to be coming pretty quickly. Man, I'm messing up with my grammar tonight pretty quickly, pretty close, whatever. Now, look what it says here. <clears throat> you ever have one of your off nights? So it says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Perish there means hell. And it, and it literally means he wants you to change your actions and your ways. When we come to Christ, there should be a change, right? Now, I'm not saying everything's going to be perfect, but there should be a change. There should be a love for God. There should be a, a love for doing the right things. For seeking, uh, seeking him and loving him. So he is not slow in his promise. You and I think he's slow. Man, it's been 2,000 years, almost 3,000. What's taking you so long, God? But to God, it's been two, two days. In fact, it could be two seconds. We don't know. Because God lives outside of time. 
He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. And he's all-knowing. That means he sees the beginning from the end. He knows what you're going to do tomorrow. He's the ultimate time machine. He really is. He, he knows the beginning from the end. He knows what you're thinking right now. I'm so glad I don't know what all of you guys are thinking right now. <laughs> I think we'd all go crazy. We'd all be in a sane asylum. <laughs> but, and this whole idea, you know there's technology. I shared with you that they have technology now that they can literally read your mind. There's an, an technology I, was, I, I brought up to you a couple weeks ago. Do you know your, your, uh, your modem in your house now? kicks out a laser and the technology they have now can actually do a 3D scan of your house and they know exactly where you are in your home. And I just read today on your computer the AI is so good, artificial intelligence, that when you're typing, and it just said Mac, when you're typing on a Mac computer, it with 95% precision it knows what you're typing. If that doesn't tell you that Jesus isn't coming back, I don't know what else would. But to God, it's only been two days, almost three days, since Jesus died and rose again and ascended to heaven. So again, technically, Jesus' resurrection happened two days ago, according to God's time. There is something about the resurrection that plays into this third day. So Jesus was raised from, on the third day, Right? He talked about them going up consecration, going up to the mountain on the, what, third day. Now, this scripture doesn't mention the third day, but it does mention the rapture. And I want you to get this scripture. First uh, Corinthians, go with me to First Corinthians. This is not up there. First Corinthians chapter 15, verses 42 through 45, or 42 through 55. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. How many of you guys know this scripture pretty well? Now, just to give you a little history of this, um, the Corinthians in their society didn't believe in a resurrection of the body. And it had a lot to do with their belief system. Um, they thought it was the, the, this, the body was just horrible and wicked and, and, and God made us in his image. Yes, it's dying, it's part of the fall, but it's still a beautiful thing. If, if you're struggling on your self-esteem tonight, the Bible says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And God made you in a secret place. Think about that. God made you in a secret place. God formed you in the womb before you were even born. He had you on his mind. Which is why I hate abortion so bad. Because God had plans for those children. So Paul goes into a whole discussion about the resurrection of the body and that... He basically says, if the resurrection didn't happen with Christ, then we're still lost in our sins. And then he goes on to talk about the physical resurrection that's going to happen with you and I. Now, I'm painting a picture here for when we go back to Exodus 19, okay? Look with me in verse 42. He says, now he's talking about the resurrection of the bodies. And he says in verse 42, so will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. Yet it is, it, it is raised imperishable. What he's saying is this body that was perishable, when the resurrection happens, you're going to get a brand new body. How many of you guys excited about getting brand new bodies? 
I'll be able to ride 11 miles without pulling a hamstring muscle. I did that the other day, by the way. <clears throat> so then he goes on to say, he says, verse 43, It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. You and I are going to have a body like Jesus's. Jesus could eat, right? Remember, he ate with the disciples when he, when he uh, uh, appeared to them over the 40 days. But he could go through walls. I mean, when I was a kid, I loved superheroes, you know, Superman, uh, Lou Ferrigno, Hulk, Incredible Hulk was my favorite when I was a kid. But, but think about it. In a sense, that's what you will have. You'll be able to appear and disappear. He appeared to 500 people at one time, is what Paul says. I think he's the only one that could do that, though. I don't think our bodies will be able to do that. <laughs> then it says, it is sown a natural body, is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. <clears throat> the last Adam, which is speaking of Jesus, a living, life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth, the second man from heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as, and as is the man from heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the likeness of the earthly man, so shall we bear the likeness of the man from heaven. Hallelujah. We have the likeness of Adam, but one day we're going to have the likeness of Jesus Christ. That's the rapture. Verse 50. I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe, must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, and the saying that is written will come true, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? Now, I've heard this at funerals. I've used it at funerals, but it's not a funeral message. It's a message of the resurrection, of the rapture of the church. Again, we're getting close to, the reason why I brought up the third day is we're getting close to that third day, 3,000 years. Here's another thing, if you do, a, a friend of mine, uh, Paul Taylor, used to run the Creation Center out in uh, Washington, and, and it, it, it became a really well-known organization, and they would take people up to Mount St. Helens, and over 1,000 layers were laid within seconds, and it just, it, it, it really uh, debunks the idea, it took millions of years for layers to be built up but a lot of these guys will do these timelines and we're getting close to that 6,000 year mark from the beginning of man till now what happens on the seventh day God rested he rests from his work what happens for you and I we rest God works in sevens they call jubilees how many of you guys know what a Shemitah year is? They were, that's why they were in ca captivity in Babylon, because they weren't keeping their Shemitah years. You're supposed to work for six years and, and let the land rest for a year. 
And they didn't do that. So for however many years that they did that, they were in captivity, which was 70 years. God works in that. Jubilees, right? What's seven times seven? 49. That 49 to the 50th, once it hits the 50th, it's a jubilee, which means freedom. There's something about numbers with God. What's the number of man? I could go into the whole COVID thing. How many inches did you have to stay be behind somebody? Man, you could have lined them up. Six, 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 six. See? Why didn't they pick 5.7 or seven, 7 feet? Why did it have to be 6 feet? That's just my thinking. That was a tidbit thing there. So, now that we're looking at the third day, I want, to, I want to look at the next scripture. and I Go with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We've read this before. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Let's start in verse 13. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. It says, Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep. Now, the word fall asleep would be translated dead, that have died in Christ. Okay? Anybody have a loved one or a friend or somebody that's with Jesus right now? Okay. That's what he's speaking of. Or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. Now, we grieve. We lose somebody. We love them. We grieve. We grieve their loss. But we don't grieve like the rest of the world does. We have hope. We're going to get to see them. My little girl, we had a, we had a miscarriage and we had, we had a stillborn baby in 2011. She was born full term. And her heart stopped just a few days before she was born. One day I'm going to get to see her. And we named her. And we named our, her name was already named before we had her, but we, have, we had our miscarriage, and we, we named that child, whether it's a boy or a girl, we, we had a name for him picked out. Verse 14, we believe that Jesus died and rose again. How many of you guys believe that tonight? And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep with him, all your loved ones. Notice, they're coming with him. Remember John 14, I go to prepare a place for you, and my, my father's house are many rooms or many mansions. And if I would not have told you, I, I'm coming back to get you, to take you to that place. That's what he says. So verse 15, according to the Lord's own word, Jesus' words. How important are Jesus' words? Very important. We tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven. I want you to catch all this when we go back to Exodus 19. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be harpazo, or caught up together, or in the Latin Bible, raptui, with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord for how long? Forever. Now, verse 18, therefore encourage each other with these words. So let's go back to Exodus 19. I wanted to read all that for a reason. Oh boy, I took my... Bless you. That was just recorded. <laughs> Okay, now look with me. Let, let, let's read down a little bit. Let's start in verse 12. 
God says, put limits for the people around the mountain and tell them, be careful that you do not go up to the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. Now, I want to stop there for a minute. And I'm going to go into this a little bit later on about us being priests. They couldn't touch the mountain, you and I can. They couldn't go near it because of their sin. Our sin's been washed away. We've been justified as if we've never sinned before. We can go to the mountain. We can come before God at any moment. They couldn't. They had limits. You don't have limits. But God, am I praying too much? No, God's, Jesus said, keep asking, keep knocking, keep seeking. There are no limits with God. He is a generous God. So then he goes on, verse 13. He shall surely be stoned or shot with arrows. Aren't you glad that when we go before the Lord, we don't get shot with arrows or stoned? Because in the Old Testament, it just, the, the, the blood of bulls and goats only covered this sin. It didn't remove it. Your sin has been removed because of Jesus. Whether man or animal, he shall not be permitted to live. Only when the ram's horn sounds a long blast, may they go up to the what? To the mountain. 1 Thessalonians. The Lord says he will come down from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of who? God. They're going up with the ram's horn, most believe it's going to be a shofar that's blown. I can't wait to hear that. I'm like, I, I got goosebumps. I don't get goosebumps that often, but that's cool. We're going to hear a ram's horn. Like today, there must have been a sonic boom. We were outside today, and man. And they go, what was that? And I, think, I think that was a sonic boom. One of these days, we're going to go, whoop. Oh, it's not a boat horn this time. Right, Stace? I, I, I got to tell you the story. We were uh, youth pastors one time at... Uh, Claremore, in Claremore, Oklahoma, up there by, uh, well, you know, well, Will Rogers grew up near Illuga and stuff, and they have trains going through there, and I was preaching on this, and I said, at the trumpet call of God, and one of those trains blew, and it got quiet, that, you could, I think it was God, I mean, it was just perfect, I mean, you couldn't have asked for a perfect time. So verse 14, after Moses had gone down the mountain to the people, he consecrated them, and they washed their clothes. Then he said to the people, prepare yourself for the third day, abstain from sexual relations. Let me stop there again. This is something for you and I. Remember the ten virgins in the Bible? They were to be prepared, right? Always ready. Always ready for the Lord's return. I sh I've shared with you, remember in the, uh, uh, before the wrath, she was always to wear her wedding gown. And she was always to have her oil lamp ready. And, 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 and to cut away the flask or trim, trim her lamp, which was the, the little, the little uh, uh, you know, piece of wick. Yeah, thank you. The wick that comes up because sometimes it'll get suit, and that's sin in their life. And so it's getting rid of things in our life and living a holy life before the Lord. So let me ask you a question. Have you trimmed the wick lately? Have you asked the Lord? I, when I pray, Lord, search my heart. See if there's any wicked way in me. And then when I do make a mistake, I go to the Lord. Lord, forgive me. Or if I, if I offend somebody, I go to them and I ask them to, to forgive me and I apologize. So, because we always want to be, be ready. That doesn't mean we're going to be left behind, but man, I don't want him to come back and me be full of shame. I don't want to be caught off guard. So, again, we're not saved by our works. We're saved, but it's always good to be ready. 
Then look at this, verse 16. On the morning of the third day, there was a thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. God comes down. I read that First Thessalonians. On the third day, God came down to the people. What does Jesus do? Jesus did what? He came down. He comes down to us, and we go up. God comes down, they go up. The difference is, is they couldn't go up, only Moses and Aaron, and we're going to look at that in a second. We're the only two that could go up. But if you're, if you're born again, we're going to go up. God's going to come down, and we're going to go up. Do you guys see the sim symbolism in the Old Testament in this passage? Look at this. Hebrews 4, 14, I want to remind you of this. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. That means hold on to your faith. Hold on to your relationship with God. We're living in the days right now, and I taught on this a few weeks ago, of the apostasy that's happening within the body of Christ, even within the church. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet did, he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with what? Confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Do you need, do you need help tonight? Go to the throne of grace. And do it with confidence, knowing God's going to answer you. One of my favorite passages of Scripture is Jeremiah 33.3. Call to me and I will answer you and teach you great and unsearchable things you do not yet know. It's, an, it's a promise. When you call to him, he will answer you. You know God has a bowl in, in the book of Revelation. It says that God has a, a, a bowl in heaven with the incense of the prayers of the saints. And when you read a, a, do a study on that, it, it means from past, present, and future. That means every prayer that you've ever prayed, prayers for your family, Prayers for your kids, prayers for your neighbor, for your spouse, whoever it is. That bowl is filled with your prayers. So God comes down, we, we go what? We go up. How did the people go up to God? Look with me in verse 13 again. First of all, I, I'm pointing this out and I've already pointed it out. I kind of got ahead of myself here, but... He says, he shall be stoned or what? Shot with arrows. How do we go up to the Lord in the rapture? Look at this. We go, we go up in joy. Look what it says. I'm going to read it again. We go up with the trumpet call of God. And then after that, we who are still alive and left will be caught up together with the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Now, this, this is the part I want you to see. Oh, it didn't. It cut it out. But it says, encourage each other with these words so how loud was the trumpet in verse 16 it was loud it says it was very loud do you think everybody's going to hear that trumpet it's going to be loud 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 1 through 3 Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brothers I can't pronounce that name so I'm not going to try to the church of God in Corinth, to the, those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. 
Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So what's he say? He says to, to those that are called to be his holy people, you are called to be his holy people. You go back, see where it says? You are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, they, they trembled. We rejoice. They trembled, we rejoice. You don't have to tremble before the Lord. Now, I, I'm not talking about reverential fear. We need reverential fear, right? You need to respect the Lord. But when we go up, are you going to be rejoicing? Oh, man, that's going to be a party like never, never seen before. I mean, think about it for a minute. Think of all this earth has, and we're just passing through, right? We're, our hope is heaven. Now, we got to live our life. That doesn't mean we just stand up there looking and waiting for Jesus to come. we got to live our life. we got to occupy until he comes, spread the word, uh, share the gospel with people. Live your life. But be excited for that day. You, you know, some people get scared about what's going on. You don't have to be scared. If you know Jesus Christ, you have hope. They trembled, we rejoice. We have something to look forward to. That, that trumpet's going to call. We're looking for it. It says, when these things begin to happen, look up for your redemption draws nigh. When you begin to see everything that we're happening. I was, I was listening to a preacher this, the other day, and he said, you know, the difference today versus back in, when Hitler was around, because I believe Hitler was like a, a type of antichrist. I think Satan's always got some kind of antichrist in the wings. But the difference today versus then is, one, the technology. The technology's here, as I've mentioned. But two, it's now engulfed the whole world. It's never engulfed the whole world except for when Noah was around. Sin is rampant everywhere. Violence is everywhere. You see gun shootings in other countries and stabbings. You, you see a, a, a sodomy everywhere, which is what was in the days of Lot. It's all over the world. You're seeing signs. I want, you should go look this up at the Commonwealth Games last, last year in, uh, in uh, Europe, in Great Britain. They had a big, gigantic mechanical bull on, on a little cart coming in, and a lady riding the bull, the woman who rides the beast, and they had little uh, crystals, and they were bound down to it and worshiping this thing. It was like Baal worship began. It was like when, when the Israelites, you can go Google it, Commonwealth Games, bull, and you'll look it up, and it's crazy. It's like they're, they're fulfilling prophecy and they don't even know it. You know what the Europa means? It means the woman that rides the, the beast. In fact, that's in front of, that's in, in uh, Germany. They have a woman riding a beast. It's, I guess that's the Roman Empire is coming pretty quick. I'm preaching on other things. But anyway, it's going on. <laughs> I'm going to skip this because we already looked at it, but I wanted to get that part. This is the one I was looking at. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. We need to encourage each other about the pre-tribulation rapture. Again, Exodus 19 is a typology. Next week, we're going to look at Daniel. So finally, I want to look at this. We are priests, something I already mentioned earlier. Look with me down in verse 24. First, let's start in verse 20 because I like this. The Lord descended to the top of the Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. There it is. There's another picture. God comes down. Moses goes up. Jesus comes down. We go up. <clears throat> called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Moses went up, and the Lord sent him to go down and warn the people 
so they do not force their way to, through to see the Lord, and many of them perish. Even the priests who approach the Lord must consecrate themselves, or the Lord will break out against them. Verse 23, Moses said to the Lord, the people cannot come up Mount Sinai, because you yourself warn us, and you put limits around the mountains and set it apart as holy. Verse 24, look at this. The Lord replied, go down and bring Aaron up with you. But the priests and the people must not force their way through the, to come up to the Lord, or he will break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them. So I, I end this one to basically say, with the same scripture I read earlier, and I wanted to do this on purpose again. You see it through, you, you, you see a pattern, right? You see a pattern, even with Lot. Remember the angel seized Lot, right, before God destroyed them. You, you see a pattern with, the, with the Enoch, right, taken before the flood. And now you see a picture of, of the typology of the pre-tribulation rapture. And you see it here where, again, God comes down, we go up, and you and I that are holy, that have given our life to Jesus, who have washed our clothes, we go up in the rapture. It's a beautiful picture. And Joseph, remember Joseph we looked at. So I, I hope you guys are learning, anybody learning something from this? Now, now, again, be a good Berean, go study it. Again, I know that this is in the Old Testament and it's referring to Israel, but God always puts little things in the Scripture to point to the future. He does. You, you can go back, and an, another typology, you can even go back to the Passover, right? They girded up their loins. They had to be ready to leave, right? They ate of the lamb. They put hyssop. With the blood. And you know hyssop is a, is a plant that carries water in it? What came out of the side of Jesus? It was blood and water. And they did what? They put it on the doorpost. And what's that make a shape of? A cross. And then he told them, don't come out of your rooms. That means stay in your relationship with the Lord. Don't come out. Because of the spirit of death. Right? And then what happened? They, they left. In fact, they, they have found so patterns of evidence. You can go look it up. How many of you guys looked that up when I told you about it? Go look it up. Patterns of evidence. He, he, uh, this guy, he grew up in church, and he was starting to question the validity of the Bible, and he found a lot of the same stuff I mentioned on Mountain of Fire. And they found chariot wheels. Now, uh, they were actually in coral because the chariots have rotted, but the coral took the shape of chariot wheels. In the Sea of Aquaba, which is the Red Sea. And they've actually found a few gold, because gold doesn't deteriorate, it doesn't collect anything. They have found some gold chariots down there. And they found the pillars where Solomon set up on each side of the Red Sea in, in, uh, in remembrance of the crossing. On the Saudi Arabia side, they took that one down. But you go and you look all this stuff up, it's there. So, again, they had to be ready. And so the whole purpose of this is, are you ready? Are you ready personally? Only you can answer that question. Only you and God. So if I leave you with anything tonight, be ready. And if you're ready, get other people ready. Guys, it's, I don't know how long it's going to be, but man, it's, it, stuff is happening so quick, so fast. Back in the 80s when Chuck Smith, anybody know who Chuck Smith is? You know, Calvary Chapel? would do prophecy updates. It would take them weeks to find anything. Now they're finding so much stuff they have to push it aside and, and, and sift through which stuff they want to talk about. 
All right. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this night. We thank you for the study in your word. And Father, if there's anything that's incorrect that I've spoken, speak to me about it. Let us be good Bereans, that they don't just take my word for it. They go and study the word themselves. Lord, we want to be good stewards and good students of your word. And we want to get it correct. We don't want to take things out of context. But Father, I pray that each of us tonight would be ready. Lord, help us to remember to get our families ready to share the gospel with those and in whom we come in contact with. And Lord, if anybody doesn't know Jesus here tonight, I pray that you would speak to them, that you would show them, that you would knock on the door of their hearts and convict them of their sin and show them who you are. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you for coming tonight. We'll see you on Sunday morning. God bless you. Um, oh, real quick, while you guys are getting your stuff, I forgot to tell you, if you've noticed the piano's gone, it's because the piano was broken. When we had all those floods, the moisture came in, and then it dried out, and it cracked the bottom of the piano a few years ago. So they, Dennis had his keyboard sat inside the piano. And so it, it was no good. The piano was no good. So we, re, we just got rid of it. We donated it to a lady, and we had to get a new piano because the storm that we hit had wiped out our old piano. So, But anyways, I just want to let you know, if you're like, where is the piano? Well, it's, it's been given away to good use. Yes. Oh, okay. Great. I'll give this. So what, uh, what, um, um. Some people just want to survive. And I don't know about you.